Disclaimer, the contents of this podcast do not constitute medical or professional advice and do not reflect the opinions of the affiliates, promotional sponsors or partners or advertising agencies and only reflects the opinions of the members and guests. This podcast contains explicit content and offends everyone equally. VTSR expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on any or all contents of this podcast. We disclaim any responsibility. Listen at your own risk. Main sponsors, Nostifiance Group, LLC, for all your training, consulting, and special operations solutions needs for military, law enforcement, and private clients. Uptown Autoglass, for all your glass needs located in Columbus, Georgia. Atax Camo, you won't even see them coming. everyone welcome back to the show how are you doing nate jp i am doing good yourself i am doing great we got mike uh somewhere in space trying to get uh his technical difficulties fixed with his audio but as soon as he can jump on he'll be here with us that means he's just he's just climbing through the sewers you know he's coming through the back door providing that rear security check for us He's not, he's not gone. He's just on a task. Yeah, he's, he's, he's there. He's there somewhere. Don't worry about that. Uh, anyways, let me get started by saying thank you to our amazing sponsors, because without them, we couldn't have the show going on. Uh, so thank you to all of you. And uh, now, check it out, Nate. So my dumbass decided the other day, hey, you know what? I think it would be a great idea to put 55, 60 pounds. I didn't weigh it properly, so I want to say it was maybe 55, 60 pounds on a rucksack. And uh, let me go for a 20-mile walk after more than 10 years of not doing it at all. Because, you know, I think I'm still a badass, which I really quickly found out that I'm not uh, as I'm dying half halfway there. <laughs> so... <laughs> I can picture this. But guess what? I was not doing it for time. I was not doing it, you know, trying to impress anyone but me. You know, I'm like, I'm going to go out there, get in the trails, and I'm I just going to finish it, you know. I'm just going to walk. And I actually had a good time. I took Stella with me. So Stella actually did her exercise. She did 20 miles with me. Nice. Yeah. I, I had to stop a few times and give her water because she was looking at me like, dude, what's up? You got a camel bag. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> dude, hold yeah. on. Pause right there. Think about this, okay? This is a random thought, but this could oh, be snap. this could be money. Camelbacks for dogs. Like seriously, Dude. we have the tactical dog world and everything, you know, with their harnesses and vests and goggles and headphones and stuff. Dude, seriously, camelbacks for dogs. But you just said it in the podcast, man. Somebody's gonna steal that idea, bro. Oh, sh- oh damn. Okay, trademark it right now. This belongs to us. <laughs> Anybody out there, we will prove that you listened to this idea and you got it from us. Exactly, exactly. Yes, anyway, credit. so yeah, so I'm still hurting from that. It's been five days and I can feel it in my bones. Uh, I'm not, 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not 20 something anymore running around, you know, falling, falling off an obstacle course, getting back up going like, oh, that was nothing. No, that takes me a month to recover now if I fall off like two feet high. Oh, yeah, dude. When we were in our 20s, we were made out of rubber and magic. Now we're in our 40s and we're made out of stories and CBD. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. CBD. Holy damn. So, and, and another thing I did this weekend, actually, just recently, what, that Saturday and Sunday, I went to the gun show here in Fable. And um, it was it was weird, man. The weird people that go there, bro. Oh, dude. There's, it, it's there's funny because... Go ahead. Go ahead. Like I've been to a few gun shows too here in Canada, and I, I I can I can picture where this is going. Go ahead. No, you got the guys that walk around looking all creepy, right? And they want to buy all kind of equipment, right? They're buying this, they're buying that, but you're like, oh, really? So you're 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 in the security guard business? No. Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. You're in, you're in the military? No. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So is this for hunting? No. You're like, all right, keep an eye on this one. This, this, keep an eye on this one, please. Because <laughs> I, I got no idea what the hell he's doing here buying all this cool stuff. <laughs> I can picture that. I've seen those those people or the, the ones that show up to the gun show in their their airsoft gear, thinking that they're oh, you know, they're they're gonna be the cool one and everybody's gonna want to take their pictures and whatnot, and then you just kind of see them standing off to the side because they realize that they're they're totally out of their element. Their eyes are like bugging out, overwhelmed with the epicness of the real steel world. And uh, it's it's cute to see because then they come back the next year and they're just more toned down and, you know, they actually have a better time. I went to a gun show once where there was these these two gentlemen and they they were awkward. And my creep radar was was at max and they had these history books and they were going around buying all this old weird paraphernalia that had <laughs> certain groups you know what i mean and i'm looking i'm going okay you guys are members of that group or you wish you were or whatever but you would not have made the cut for that group like you just it doesn't mm, you know what i mean anyways that that was that was my creep radar time so the gun show now you were there and you actually got to link up with uh, a friend of ours oh with Kristen. Yes. Yes. Actually, I was I was uh, uh, at her booth, uh, at the ODA Tactic and Apparel booth. And the beauty of that is as people were walking around, because they always think I'm the owner when I'm standing there. For some reason, <laughs> they're like, oh, JP, is this your business? I'm like, no, actually, it's her business. I'm here supporting her. And they're like, huh? I'm like, yeah, I'm the pretty model that attracts all the customers. So they start laughing. And I'm like, what do you think I'm here, bro? They, they need beauty at the booth. Yeah, I'm like the model. I'm the Instead of the gun model, I'm the t-shirt model. I'm here. So yeah, it was it was cool. Actually, there was a, a bunch of people that showed up uh, to buy a T-shirt just because of my Instagram post, which which I feel pretty good about it. So apparently, it worked out. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so we'll have to do up a shirt for the show that says VTSR on the back and then has the hashtag Eye Candy that the three of us can wear. Oh, 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 of course, of course. And then uh, so my last story from from the going show is this guy showed up. And he's one of those guys that got like history books in hand. He's all buying like old stuff, World War II. You know, if it's old, he wants it. And he shows up, he looks at me, he said, you're J.P. Cervantes, right? And I'm like, uh, I think so. <laughs> Maybe today. And, and he goes like, and he goes like, well, I saw you in Hunting Hitler in History Channel. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm uh, cool. He goes like, I can't believe you really thought you were going to find Hitler. <laughs> I mean, you you really, you really thought you were going to find Hitler. And I looked at him. I wanted to go off on him telling him, you're an idiot. But 
you know, uh, it's not my booth. I got to be professional. Yes. Right? So, so I look at the guy and I go like, well, sir, I don't know if you realize, but the entire concept of the show was not about us finding Hitler drinking at a bar with freaking Elvis Presley. That was not the whole point of the show. The point of the show was following the declassified FBI files for the possibility that he didn't die, that he actually left and he was hiding in Argentina. So I explained him that and he just looked at me. He's like, yeah, no, you really thought you were going to find him. I just, how did that work out for you? So I just looked at him I'm like, you know what? It didn't work out, man. It didn't work out. I'm really disappointed. Uh, yeah. That's all you can and, do in a situation he, like that. Bro, he was serious. Like he was mad at me. I'm like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and if you're listening to this show, yeah, you're an idiot. And I said it because, you know, it's my show. I can say whatever I want. Yeah, you're not at somebody else's <laughs> booth now. The gloves are off. That's, that's right. The gloves are off. Uh, so, Nate, how was your weekend? I know you were doing something different uh, this past week. Uh, you told me you were doing some volunteer stuff. Oh, yeah. So um, since since my retirement, I like to, and I always volunteered before. So what I like to do is help out my friends with their projects, hence the show. And the uh the my friends that uh run and manage a local Popeye supplement store was having their customer appreciation day so on friday morning i went down and i got to work the door and i could you know cuz i can count to 10 so 10 people in the store at a time and uh there was a nice line up there it was really cool cuz i get to interact with people in a in a safe controlled environment it's there's uh no pressure no stress just literally counting to 10 you get to uh meet interesting people i got to talked to a few members of the local ERT team. Um, we chit-chatted for a bit, and now they're going to come out and do some work with me on the range. I'm going to do some stuff with them. And then I actually got to meet some more uh, fellow Canadian Armed Forces members that are still serving, some that have retired because, you know, they're still in the gym or doing things, so they need their nutritional value. Uh, so they came to the store during Customer Appreciation Day, and it was really, really cool because I was there for about three hours on Friday, an hour on Saturday morning, and it was it was really cool because I got to help my friends um, with their business, doing their thing, and get to meet and interact with people, and getting to meet other retired Canadian Forces members or still serving ones is really a treat because we're such a small military that there isn't a huge mass of us. Um, so that was that was really cool. Got to take some pictures, got to hang out. Um, so that was Saturday, Sunday, or sorry, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. Um, got to host because i don't know if everybody that listens to this show knows this but i work as a range officer at uh, my local range kind of a big deal <laughs> and uh the uh <laughs> the uh, the range lets me host events there so i've been hosting a few events over the years and this one here was a uh ar and pistol shoot so basically a two-gun kind of style thing there. And I had some Canadian Forces members come out as well as some civvies, some people that had never even fired AR before and just wanted to try my event um, because, you know, as I mentioned, I work as a range officer, so I get to meet some cool people. And we had a guy, he was 65, showed up. He's about Mike's Mike's height there, so, you know, really tall. <laughs> uh, Mike's not here to hear that. So <laughs> this uh, 65 year old man, he shows up, he's, you know, no military background to him, civvy investment banker kind of guy. And he's like, I want to try this. It was his first time shooting the AR platform. 
he had a blast. He enjoyed the uh, little little bit of stress that we did to it because my events have themes. So you're a courier and you have your your courier package that you got to carry with you and do all these different tasks and then shoot your your different bouts. And he said it was so much fun. And to me, that that just made my weekend. So my weekend was great. Got to meet some great people and do some cool stuff. And now here it is Monday and I get to hang out with you. And I hear we have a guest. Exactly. You thought you thought you hang out with great people, but guess what? We got an amazing, amazing guest today. Uh, today we're gonna here shortly. It's gonna jump in Brent Cooper, and he is the executive director of the Green Beret Foundation, and uh, he is a uh, Green Beanie, a, a veteran. So. I don't gonna talk about all his background because I want him to briefly cover that. But yeah, so that's who we got, the Greenberry Foundation. If you guys don't know about the Greenberry Foundation, go online, check him out, the Greenberry Foundation and Greenberry Foundation on Instagram as well. Go ahead and follow them. And without uh keep talking about this amazing guest, let's bring him in. Where's Brent? Brent, are you there? Guys, hey, how you doing? Doing good, Brent. Welcome to the show, Brent. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Love being here. So, uh, Brent, so you already met Nate, the Canadian uh, uh, polar bear. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and then Mike, which is having technical difficulties, unfortunately. Uh, but hopefully he gets to jump in here before we get done. If not, we still he's still here with us in heart, though. Uh, so, Brent, uh, tell us a little bit about, just real quick about your, your, your military career. What's, what's your background? Sure, man. Uh, well, well, first, thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. So my military career, very unconventional route, I would say. As a whole, <laughs> to, to, to kind of sum it up, I spent all my 20s in corporate America. Uh, oh, nice. Didn't join the Army until I was 30 years old. Signed an x-ray contract, 18 x-ray contract, which gave me the ability to go all the way through, get, get to selection. I actually needed an age waiver uh, just to do it because I had already signed past my 30th birthday. Made it through. Uh, you know, actually looking back, I, I, I recognize now I made it through first time go all the way only because I recognized there's no way I could do this stuff twice. So <clears throat> made it through, got assigned to fifth group, showed up July 2012, excuse me. So I, so I joined the military 2010, got through training, got to group July 2012, immediately deployed September 2012. Uh, for about nine months, you know, I was a uh, junior echo on the team, the combo guy. I actually loved being the combo guy. Um, I was one of the few that actually wanted to be a combo guy, but spent five years in, did my five years and for family reasons, decided to get out. Um, and, and that's what ended up moving up to Seattle. I don't know how much, how much you, that was basically my military career kind of summed up in a, in about 60 seconds there. Oh, that is that is pretty cool. So you got a lot of corporate experience then, and that's great. And and that's how you got involved with the Greenberry Foundation. How you got involved with that? Yeah, good question. So so after I got <laughs> out, I, you know, my wife and I we actually moved up to Seattle. So we moved up to Seattle. I was running a property management company up there for four years, and life was good. Things were going well. Um, kind of assimilated back to civilian life relatively well. We can kind of touch on that probably a little bit later. But there's still something missing, you know, <clears throat> transitioning back to civilian life was relatively easy simply because, you know, I understood civilian life. I'd spent the majority of my career in it. What I what I highly underestimated was how much I missed the brotherhood 
and recognizing that once you serve something larger than yourself, it's extremely hard to replicate that. Extremely difficult, particularly in the in the civilian sector after being a Green Beret. So how I got involved with the Green Beret Foundation, my wife and I are sitting on the couch. You know, I was kind of like just vacillating, right? You know, kind of good life, but I was still missing something and came across a Facebook post from the Green Beret Foundation on their Facebook page that mentioned they were looking for a new executive director. This is the truth. We're sitting on the couch, scrolling through Facebook, as most couples probably do at night, came across it. I started looking at their job requirements and I'm like, holy crap, this is everything I have done, right? The business experience, Green Beret. I had got my MBA from the University of Washington, finished that in 2017. And I'm like, literally the culmination of the last 20 years of my life made sense in, the, in a heartbeat sitting on the couch there. Uh, that is amazing. Yeah. So my wife, Shelly, she said, why don't you apply for this? And I said, man, I'm like, there's just no way. Like, there's got to be so many people applying for this. She's like, when has anything ever stopped you from moving forward if it's something you want? I was like, good point. Next day, applied. Uh, I applied, didn't hear back for three weeks, kind of wrote it off. And then all of a sudden, Blaine Smith, who used to be the executive director of Red, White, and Blue, who was who was working as the transition kind of coordinator for this, looking for the new ED, uh, emailed me after three weeks and said, hey, apologies for the late notice. We had a lot of applicants. We're impressed with what you have. We'd like to move forward in the interview process. And that's how it kind of started. So this was all back in uh, January and then uh, January, February timeframe of, of, of this year, 2019. Oh, wow. Well, you know, uh, I'm glad that you, that you mentioned that because there's a lot of a lot of people like us out there that they see a lot of job posts and they're like, oh man, yeah, there's no way they're going to take me. You know, there's no, no way they're going to, I'm going to get picked up for this. There's probably other people out there that are better than me at this, but you know what? Like Michael Jordan said one time, right? You will always miss every shot you don't take. And that touches back to what we also said in the um, uh, Fishman on the Fly. You don't understand the value of your service and your resume until you have somebody sit down with you to go over it. This is, uh, it, it's so sad that there's veterans out there that have so much experience like yourself. If you, if you hadn't had that little nudge from your, your, your better half, you know, you would have missed out on this great opportunity that obviously sounds like you have been training up for this situation without even realizing it. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're spot on. Cause I didn't recognize, you know, I figured, ah, you know, we got a good life. Things are going fine, but, Clearly something was missing and it was, I knew if I, if I didn't apply, I would regret that way more. Right. So what's the harm in that? And I also recognize, yeah, yeah go ahead, JP. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was just say what I recognized also, right. So I spent the majority of my twenties actually um, part of that as a kind of a corporate recruiter in business development, recruiting. And I remember, right. So this, this whole transition thing, it, it's a point of emphasis for me. And I understand it remarkably well, because when I was a civilian, I remember looking at, and I'm going to say something real direct here. I, I remember looking at a lot of resumes as a civilian recruiter and not being able to connect the dots when I would come across a military resume, right? They had all these things, but I didn't understand like, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? I couldn't connect the dots. And to this day, I'm, 
I, I passed up on a handful of probably very qualified and amazing people simply because I couldn't connect the dots, right? Between their civilian or between their military experience and the civilian job. So, because all I was, and, and what a lot of recruiters look for nowadays, they're just looking at those hard skills, right? And when you look at the military, there's so many soft skills that come into play that are under underestimated and kind of not looked at. You know, the communication skills, adaptability skills, problem solving, you know, go down the laundry list of soft skills. Now, I would say, I'm saying all this simply to say, I would venture to say a lot of guys still experience that now. When they transition, it's like, how is a recruiter or how is a company or organization going to connect the dots? And that's why it's phenomenal, you know, working through an organization like the Green Bay Foundation or other foundations um, similar that we work with and I collaborate with that are helping veterans, you know, with resumes, prepping them for their next ridgeline, you know. Um, you guys are going to have to stop me because I'll go down a rabbit hole and just keep on talking. Now, you know, now that I'm in this position with the Green Beret Foundation, you know, it, it, it's just funny how things work out. Because while that was unfortunate back then, now I see exactly how to connect the dots. And so we help guys, we help veterans as they're transitioning, you know, not just through us, not just Green Beret Foundation, but through other foundations as well that have built out phenomenal transition programs to help guys that are transitioning. You know, eight, you know, 18 months prior to them getting out or even before you know, or even after they get out, you know, if they just need a refresher or something or just something to help them because because it's. Civilian recruiters, as a generalization, by no means is this the norm, but sometimes they have a difficult, difficult time connecting the, the dots on on uh, the soft or, or the hard skills, the hard skills. You know, it's basically they see the hard skills of a military person. They're like, oh, no, they're they're not good for this job. But when they look at the soft skills, which is often overlooked, their adaptability, their communication skills, problem solving skills, the laundry list of soft skills that Green Berets possess, operators possess, those are very hard to quantify on a piece of paper. So unless you're dealing with somebody that understands that, nine times out of 10, a lot of these, these operators are going to get overlooked. That's, again, that's kind of my personal opinion and just what I've seen, both from the civilian side, me doing that, and now, you know, going through the military and now I'm on this side. So when you're talking about that, you know, transition where you missed it before and now you've got this experience to do it, you're basically saying that you've done the recce and now you can lead people through it. Yeah, absolutely. The transition program that we have... You know, and the transition, the the, tra the whole transition phase in general, you know, that's going to increase exponentially, in my opinion, over the next couple of years, because we're approaching the 20-year mark for 9-11. There is a lot of guys that joined after 9-11, and they're coming up on their 20-year retirement, guys getting out, and that transition phase is going to be extremely integral for a lot of these soldiers. And so the Green Beret Foundation... We're teaming up with a lot of other organizations as well, because in my opinion, um, not just any one foundation or organization is the end all and be all to help these guys, right? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. That's kind of the mantra I live by. And so 
the more foundations I'm able to collaborate with, they're going to help guys, the better, period. Oh, that is, that is pretty cool because I know there's there's a lot of foundations that are out there that are very jealous of what right. they do. And uh, they don't want to let yeah, anybody else, you know, like and... piggyback with them or, or partner with them because, you know, they they got it all. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, Brent, what is what is the, the the mission, the main mission of the Greenberry Foundation? That's for our listeners out there. I mean, I know what I just for for our listeners. Yeah, so I've kind of been harping a lot on the transition phase, but as far as the mission itself, right, the overarching mission is we are answering the call of Green Berets and their families so they can succeed in their next mission. So really what that means is, you know, we're providing financial support to fill in all the gaps. We'll pick up where the insurances leave off, you know, where the insurances doesn't cover stuff. And so we have four core pillars of our programs that we do and the transition phase is one pillar of those four um you know and so it's we're the only foundation that i'm aware of we create a truly customized support for the soldier so it's not just one thing we fill in the gaps in a lot of areas so just uh just out of curiosity what kind of gaps have you uh, encountered yeah so for example you know, our casualty support program, you know, when one of our Green Berets, if they get injured in the line of duty, you know, they're going to be sent to a hospital stateside. We send him and his, him and his family a $2,500 check, essential gear. You know, we send him a Go Ruck GR1 rucksack to basically filled with GBF stuff, the $2,500 check. It's kind of our calling card, like here, here's we're out here. We're thinking about you. We know here's 2,500 bucks to cover incidentals. We'll fly in wife, you know, spouse, children, family to get to the soldier's bedside to make sure that they're taken care of. Uh, conversely, it's, you know, if, if, if they have older children that could stay at home or, or a dog or something that can't travel, we'll even pay for pet kenneling, right? So if that wife has to get to a soldier's bedside, we'll pay for pet kenneling for the pet at home. So there's areas where we're, you know, always kind of working behind the scenes uh, on stuff like that. Hey, Brent, so I, uh, real real quick, because I know I get this question from everybody. Uh, so does the Green Beret Foundation help families and Green Berets? Do they have to be active duty or, or where, are we talking also retirees? Also retirees. Our charter states we help all Green Beret post 9-11. Green Berets, active, retired, separated. Um, it doesn't matter if, if whether you're out or whether you're still in. And that's a kind of common misconception. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I think what I love, and I'll, I'll tell you flat out, when I was in, I was a fifth group guy. When I was in, I remember before I got out. I Sorry about that. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to give a little, little plug to fifth group. I love, I love all the groups though. Uh, I remember getting, oh, me too, I remember man. I got a Green Beret Foundation coin and a patch from Green Beret, from GBF, right? But I didn't really know anything else about them. And I got out, you know, kind of, like I said, transitioned to my civilian life. And I still didn't really know that much about them, right? And now that I'm back on the inside and I've been able to travel around to some of the groups, talk to the guys, and it's clear, I recognize 
you know, that we have done so much work behind the scenes that nobody really knows about that it's almost kind of been a, a detriment to ourselves because guys don't know how much help we can provide them, right? And we're not in this for the accolades by any means. Um, I came back because I wanted to serve the regiment again. You know, I'm, you know, I'm 40 years old. I'm not going to go back active duty, but this is the capacity that I'm going to serve the regiment again in the best way that I can. And so I recognize now, Hey, you know, guys need to know everything we do because I know for a fact when I was active duty, I had no clue what GBF did. And so I'm making a very concerted effort that we absolutely have to have a much more strategic and effective communication on letting guys know within the regiment what Green Beret Foundation does. And you know what, Brent, that, that is that is a good point because there's a lot of times, I mean, you know, the quiet professionals, we go and get stuff done and we don't we don't need the credit. We give the credit normally to somebody else, right? So, but at the same time, like you said, that's detrimental because people don't know what is really happening, especially with a foundation. Uh, people need to know what you guys are doing uh, and what services can you provide to the Green Berets, right? And and uh, and I think that was uh, in the beginning, one of the things that, okay, yeah, we'll do it and be, we'll be quiet because, you know, we don't need the credit, but in reality you do. Because people need to find out what you're doing. JP, you're spot on, man. I mean, we're the choir professionals, guys that want to talk about it. And I think what I'm trying to do is, is one, respecting that and understanding that, right? We're not going to be shouting from the rooftops, here's everything we do, let's beat our chest. But there's a very tactful and strategic way that we can still communicate both with inside our SF community and externally to the civilian population who Green Berets are. Because I truly believe... If people understood that Green Berets, you know, we're trained diplomats. We're going into austere environments across the globe doing very humanitarian acts. Yes, we do direct action. Yes, we do all the, the cool guy stuff. But, but the things we're doing, there's no other operators that are doing this right now across the board. And I think that will resonate with a lot of people, but people just don't understand that, right? You ask people... Or, or you tell people, I'm a Green Beret. And usually what's their first response? Oh, like a Navy SEAL? Because you know? <laughs> we got less, less books and movies, even though that we, we got John J. Rambo. That's pretty pretty freaking cool. Right. And of course, John Wayne. We don't, we don't have G.I. Jane. Right. <laughs> yeah, and John Wayne. No. And we, and, and, and you know, caveat, let me, let me throw that in there. We yeah, love the SEALs. You know, it's a friendly rival. <laughs> we, do, we do great things. Uh, you know, for America. So, but that's the rivalry there. And so for me, yeah. Well, here, here's the one thing that I joke about when I talk about Green Berets and SEALs is Green Berets and Navy SEALs both have the same dreams. And that dream is to grow up and someday be a Delta operator. <laughs> oh, damn. Why, why you got to do that? Was that, is that too far? I, I, was that too no, far? I, but hey, it puts I, you both I, on I the same level. you were going to go and say uh, like be Canadian uh, a Mountie or something. I don't know. Oh, no, you guys can't dream that big. And Mounties, oh. Mounties, what the hell? Come on. I got no idea what that is. I just, I don't know. I <laughs> that's just, our police department. Anyways. Oh, that's the police department? Yeah. Well, I guess the police department is pretty cool then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're cool. And on that note, back to Brent. <laughs> yeah, back to Brent. Hey, so Brent, uh, another thing that uh, I know, I was talking to your crew not too long ago. Uh, I was at Charlie Mike's uh, having refreshments and um 
I was talking to some guys from your crew and they were doing the, the, uh, the VA claim, uh, what do you guys call that? The VA claim, uh, uh, uh briefing or something like that. Yeah, Currently it, the Oasis seminars is what it's coined right now, which is, is, which is, yeah. Offering assistance for VA claim. So, and that is important because, uh, as, as, as I talk to a lot of veterans, uh, they, they have no idea one, the benefits they can receive from the VA and two, the claim process and three, when they can and cannot claim. And, and that's something that I didn't realize that you can actually put an in-service claim. Yeah. It's just a matter of doing it. Right. And yeah, we were all at Charlie Mike's. That was a, that was the first time we met. Uh, there's a lot of people around the table. We were out there at Fort Bragg doing VA claim seminar. And it basically is letting guys know. And, and in this instance, you know, active duty guys or recently separated. Hey, it, once you're getting out, here are the steps you need to take. Um, and the guy that runs that right now, his name's John Armazani, 20 plus year Green Beret veteran, uh, was a first group guy. He also used to do work for the VA as a Raider, right? So he did, I think, 12 years as a Raider on the VA side. And now he's on this side. So what I told people, I'm like, I got a guy on staff. That's literally playing chess with himself, right? He knows exactly what to file, how to file it, how it's going to be responded to. And so everything's done much more efficiently. And, you know, we're, we're currently right now um, in the application process of becoming a veteran service organization. So essentially, we're, we'll be a partnership agency and be able to file VA claims on the soldier's behalf, which is huge. You know, and we do it for free. I mean, there's a lot of organizations out there that do this, but they're contingency fee based, right? And so for a guy, for a guy that's like, man, I just don't want to go through this VA claims process again. It's completely arduous. It's just time sucker. Um, you know, so, so a guy will go to a company and they'll be like, hey, you're here. I can get you to here, higher, and it'll cost you, you know, Anything you earn retroactively or whatever, you know, we'll take 30%. And for the soldier, well, that's fantastic because, you know, that's money I didn't have anyways. It's not really, they don't look at it as money out of my pocket, but it technically is, right? So I kind of mentioned that because if guys come to us, we do that exact same service, but we do it for free. Every single penny you earn from here to here uh, going up is back to the soldier's pocket. So it's a pretty phenomenal program. It's fantastic you guys are doing that because we, we have a very similar system here in Canada um, with the applications and the, the funds and fees and the, the dauntless, uh, I think that's the right word, the overbearing paperwork and, and frustration. And for years, I helped um, guide people through their, their applications and whatnot. And I guess I did such a good job that somebody decided they were going to make a business out of it. And they charge 20% of what that person gets. Now, on that same coin, we do have organizations here that do it for free that people just don't know about. And when I started to see people losing that money that they didn't know they had, and like you said, they to them, it's no big deal because it's not my money anyways, but you're paying taxes on it. It's money to help you with your conditions and with your treatments and your travel and all those things that it, it, it's, it should go into your pocket. So what I started doing was becoming more vocal about those free organizations. And as we touched on earlier, that offended some 
Nate's really good at offending people. JP knows this for a fact. <laughs> so um, it offended people that because they were trying to start this business. And I actually had one of them come to me and say, look, you're screwing with my business. Jeez. And you're taking food. And he goes, "You're he or she, it doesn't matter. It, they actually said, you're legitimately taking food off the table for my family. And this was a former service member. And I looked at them and said, you're legitimately taking money out of the treatment plans and programs for your friends. Snap. And they, they, had, they, had, no, they had no rebuttal. And we haven't spoken since. And I have never guided anybody to any of their services. Um, but I've made it my mission to guide them to the free services that are just as beneficial. Well, Brent and Nate, yeah. Brent and Nate, both of you need to stop Why? making fun of me, all right? Because I did use one of those one of those oh, services to take a percentage, <laughs> <laughs> right, Brent? We, we, but you didn't know, <laughs> right, Brent? We talk about that, <laughs> but that's not. Yeah, we did, but but I got to tell you, right from from the service member's point of view. It's not a bad deal. No, it's not. Because you're going to get money that you didn't otherwise have to begin with, right? And, it, and it's not just but it but also it probably boils down to you just didn't know otherwise. No, and, that, and so that's kind of the whole and point. That is here true. Is we want to express and let people know there's alternatives that yeah, are free. Yeah, and that is true and that, and that was the reason why I did it because so before I used, you know, the the veterans assistant for 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 the city, for the county, whatever it is, and let me tell you, they're not very helpful. And uh, so uh, I got tired of, of doing that to the point where like, man, I keep getting denied every time I use these people. It's like, but let me use somebody else who I might might have to pay, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to get it done right the first time. And that's what I did. And then, of course, after I did it, like, I want to say like, what, two or three weeks later, I ran into <laughs> the Greenberg Foundation guys. And they're like, man, we could have done that for free. Oh. I'm like, snap. <laughs> I didn't realize the timeline was so close together on that. <laughs> oh yeah, it was like when I when I ran into you guys, it was like recently just just got my rating upgraded. <laughs> oh man, nice. But yeah, I mean, we I've seen it, I've seen it firsthand in just four months now running this foundation. I've seen firsthand, I've seen guys go from twenty percent to eighty percent, forty percent to a hundred percent. You know, retroactive pay. You know, and and it's not a guarantee for everybody, but the point is like. John has done this so long and anyone can contact him, John at greenberryfoundation.org. Um, he knows how to connect the dots and absolutely understands what service connected, what's not, what needs to get submitted. You know, he basically just gives a soldier, Hey, let me see your medical records. Here's a checklist. Here's exactly what you have to do. Once we become VSO veteran service organization, we can then file all that stuff on the soldier's behalf. So we'll take even more work off of their plates, but, Oh, that we're is amazing. A, we're already giving them a color by numbers uh, template, you know, in order to help them guide guide them through this. So it's fantastic. Oh, that is amazing, man. That is that is pretty cool. Well, if you're listening out there and you're 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 a green beanie and you're having problems with your VA claim, you know who to contact. Uh, the uh, I got another question for you, Brent. I know that that the last few months for the regiment have been pretty pretty crazy we had a lot of losses uh in in our community and uh how i mean if if you can do that at all how do you guys like prepare at the greenberg foundation for something like that is that like you got a system we're ready we're ready for this this can happen at any minute or or does it take you by surprise every time this happens um 
That, that's a great question. So, yeah, these, these last few months, you know, this year alone, extraordinary losses, you know, heartbreaking. So just since I've, the last four months, since I've been running the foundation, we've lost seven Green Berets in combat. So we're always ready. I'll tell you that. So we typically immediately find out we have POCs, boots on the ground at the groups, care coalition reps, you know, we'll get something immediately that's generally unconfirmed. So once we get that, that's unconfirmed, we immediately start preparing as far as just standing by, right? Um, last thing we want is to be on our heels when these families need our support most. So we'll ensure, you know, once something like that happens, we're ensuring that the family members, they're going to be able to make it to the dignified transfer. We're covering airfare and lodging. You know, this isn't, this isn't an expense families budget for. This isn't money they set aside in case of something like this. Um, you know, we take care of funeral expenses not covered by the military, unit memorial costs, getting team members to attending the funerals. So we're working on the background on making sure connecting all those dots together. But as far as preparing for something like that, man, I suppose there, there really isn't any way to prepare for something like that. We just simply accept the realities, you know, what these men do and recognize that when shit hits the fan, it's our job to mitigate the backblast. So for me, like you know, there's, there, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than in this position, being able to effectively help our Green Berets, my brothers and their families when they need it most. Oh my God, I like that, man. Uh, you, a lot of people don't realize and and how even after we retire, we still consider this our family. This is our family for life. This is not something that, you know, so a lot of people go like, well, I was in the army or I was in, in you know, in the 82nd. I'm like, no, I am a Green Beret. Whether I'm retired or not, I'm still a Green Beret and that's still my family. Exactly, man. You know, I... uh I recently toured SWIC about two months ago, and I, I've, been, I've had the opportunity now, every graduating class, two days prior to the regimental first formation, I'm going out and, and giving all the new graduates a brief on the Green Beret Foundation, telling them what it, is, what it is about. I was out at Bragg two months ago, and I'll tell you guys this, right? Give about a 45-minute brief to 165 newly minted Green Berets. They're all sitting there in Bank Hall. And I closed it with this. I said, you all were brave enough to join the army. You're all brave enough to sign up for special forces. You're all brave enough to go down range and die for your country if needed. I implore you guys, when the time comes, be brave enough to ask for help. And all these guys just kind of got big and bushy eyed, right? Man, I because just got goosebumps. <laughs> As a generalization, right, or maybe not even a generalization, guys like us have a very difficult time asking for help. And I don't necessarily believe it's because we're too proud. In my experience, it's because of our selfless and self-sacrificing nature that works to our detriment, right? Because we're always believing that someone else needs more help than we do. And we don't want to take those resources that we believe could be better spent on someone else. So what I tried to convey was... And I, I, I always try to convey this, and I'm telling you guys this now, there's no hierarchy of help at the Green Beret Foundation, right? There's someone that requests support. 
and there's someone also that requests support. To me, they're all the same. Everybody's needs and struggles are different. So to categorize them in some hierarchy manner would just be plain wrong and against every principle we have. But it really boils down to when I, when I sit down with a guy, it's like, hey, brother, you and me are the same. I understand what you're going through. I understand the lifestyle. I understand the family di dynamics, the nuances, the struggles, the pain of, of transitioning. Um, but it just boils down to I need you to ask for help because we all need it at some point. Holy snap, Brandon. You just gave me goosebumps, man. And like, because everything that, that you just said right there, you said it better than we have in the last three episodes. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that, that was brilliant, man. Uh, yeah, a lot of times, you know, like like you said, and, and then Carlos was saying uh, that in episode number two, when he was talking about uh, sometimes we feel like we're we're bothering somebody else. Uh, and that's why we don't ask for help. It's not that we don't recognize that we need help. It's that we don't want to be, you know, we don't want to be that guy that gets you out of, of out of your house to go and talk to me or or takes an hour uh, from your time with your kids on the phone because I got to be venting to someone. We just don't want to be that guy, but we have to. We have to. We, yep. we got to reach out to our brothers when we need their help. Absolutely. Brent, I'm going to ask you another question that now with the word were in that topic uh it, you, do you guys provide any assistance when it comes to suicide prevention and things like that or 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 you know it, that that includes pointing people in the right direction if needed if need be um yeah so obviously that's a sensitive topic but as far as you know we do a lot of advocating and we've collaborated with a lot of professionals you know where we can point guys in the right direction to get help um, we don't have one of our, you know, any dedicated program or, you know, a mental professional on staff. Um, but that's where we'll be able to point guys in the right direction, you know, and, and delicately that's an area where guys can do that anonymously, um, and get the help they need. Right. Cause, cause our big fear, I, I our green berets, you know, guys, big fears are, Hey, I don't want this stamped on my records. Right. So, and that's anything across the board. Um, you know, you don't even want to go to sick call or something. Cause you're like, Oh, hey, no, I don't want this to affect my record. Um, but we are getting, we are able to help guys in that regards, you know, and our family support program, you know, it's really comprised. Our family support program is comprised of gold star family support scholarships for children and dependents of green berets. And then are still magnolias, coin still mags. And I don't know if you guys have heard of still mags before. Uh, I have. Can you, for our listeners, can you uh, quickly uh, tell us what it well, is? About? I've never heard it. So tell me what it is. all about it. Yeah. So, so the still mags, we like to call them the quiet professionals behind the quiet professionals. It's a group of amazing women, consists of Green Beret wives, sisters, mothers, daughters. You know, they've all faced challenges, adversity. They live it day in and day out. You want to talk about skin in the game, they have it. So these still mags, I mean, talk about force multipliers. They're really boots on the ground and they're going out in their local communities and one, spreading the word about Green Beret Foundation, all the things we do, all the things we do and how we can help. They're doing fundraisers and they're also an integral point of contact when something happens at group as well, right? Because who knows about stuff first when something bad happens? 
the wives. So of course. they immediately inform us, right? We can get things rolling pretty quickly. They're also very integral in, and I know this because I remember my wife, man, she had to kick me to go, hey, go get this taken care of or go get that taken care of or go to the Oasis seminar, you know? And so they're the quiet professionals behind the quiet professionals doing all these things. So they are, the Steel Mags program is organized by region and then by chapters located near the majority of all special forces installations um, where, where, all the, where all the units are. So they have individual chapters that are kind of the force multipliers on the ground. And they're, they're not, um, I want to make this caveat. So the program is intended to complement existing programs, not duplicate the resources and support such as FRG. So they're working alongside FRG just in a little different capacity, right? Um, but I've been able to witness over the last 120 days the incredible things they do within the communities and, you know, true force multipliers, which is everything a Green Beret is. Um, and I'm excited to actually see that program grow a lot more. But that, that hopefully that answers your question a little bit about, about the MAGs. Oh, yeah. And for our listeners out there that are not military related, uh, FRG is Family Readiness Group. Oh, um, apologies. That, yeah. Well, because, you know, we, we got a lot of uh, uh, emergency yep. services and civilians that listen to this and, and they might not have the same terminologies. So I just want to make sure they understand what it is. We had to tell them what JP stood for. So it, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't yeah. worry. I, I hear everything from Juan Pablo, Juan Pedro. Uh, yeah, I mean, you name it, but and nobody guess what my name really is when I tell him it's Jean Pierre. They're like, "What?" But you're Puerto yeah. Rican, and I'm like, uh, I know. Don't 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 ask me. My mother was watching some movie and she liked the name. That, that don't even get me started with that one. Anyways, so yeah. So. And if and if any and if any Green Beret, you know, uh, wife, mother, daughter, sisters listening, want to get more information about this, you can email Lindsay at GreenBeretFoundation.org. What I found quickly is our naming, our email naming convention is just first name at Green Beret Foundation. So that's going to become a problem if we scale. <laughs> well, you know what? We, uh, so. uh, in, in my company, uh, in those affiance group, we got the same thing. Uh, all the, all the emails are first name. And then only one time, of course, we're a very, 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 very small company. But at one time we had two guys with the same name. So, <laughs> so we're like, okay, how are we going to do this? So it was like yeah. Carlos one and then carlos two yeah carlos two <laughs> yeah yeah L Lindsay shiro is our still max program manager and she's out at uh third group at fort bragg north carolina okay perfect um but just to give that so you know and so the still mags is part of our family support program um and, and that kind of goes into the original question of suicide prevention and whatnot you know, these women on the ground, right, that are dealing with this day in and day out, they're the first ones that are going to know if there's a red flag or something's going on. And so they can notify us quickly and we can jump in quickly and effectively take the appropriate steps to get these guys help that they need. That is awesome. That is th thank you for that information. So everybody out there uh, that these, these ladies are doing an amazing job. They really are. Uh, Brent, yeah, I got uh, one more. If there's anything else that you want to tell us about uh, the Greenberg Foundation, events. Uh, any events or anything? Yeah, upcoming events or anything like that. Um, yeah, actually, the next event uh, we got coming up, man, we do a lot of events year round. We do shooting events, uh, golf events, all sorts of events. The events are very, very important for us because we know SF community 
We like to do cool stuff like that. The next golf event we have is actually next week, next Monday in Houston. Heroes at Home, um, big golf event coming up. It's going to be amazing. We got 19th group, 19th Special Forces group, Special Forces guys coming in um, with with their gear and being able to display that to all the participants that are going to be there, which is really cool. And that's the next big one we got coming up. We got a lot of other little events. I recommend greenberryfoundation.org. You can go to events, check out something if there's one coming up in your area. Um, but we also do fun stuff, man. Brew, brews, you know, brews for pubs, stuff like that. So uh, it's not just all sporting or shooting events. Um, anything to build community. With that said, Nate, uh, the implied task here is that this podcast needs to go out very, very quickly so that people can ah. find out about the event before the event happens, Nate. <laughs> well, I think we can make that happen within the next couple of days. I thought you were going to say, it sounds like we need to show up at one of these these pub events and oh, stuff. But well, hey, we, you know, if you're not interested in that, I'll go well, hang out with Brent and I'll put on my Canadian Green Beret and, uh, you know, represent the Mounties that you seem to be falling in love with. Um <laughs> Mounties. Well, Nate, actually, we can do that uh, for, you know, because uh, Brent, we're, we're starting a YouTube channel to where our goal is that, you know, because a lot of we see a lot of other people out there that puts a lot of information out, but they never follow up with it. So our, our goal is that we're starting a YouTube channel, which is going to be basically when we bring organizations like yours here uh, later on we plan a trip to one of their events and then we do a follow-up with them about what they're doing and actually do a video about it if you're That's interested awesome. in that you know like it's, it's kind of like our on the road casting couch kind of thing so you know you you can opt out of doing it but <laughs> chances are you won't be allowed not to do it <laughs> no i'm all for it put me in coach let's put, uh, put me in coach put me in wicked coach. all right anything any else you want to add for us there uh brent uh, no, I mean, like I said, you know, we got, it's not just the golf, you know, we got a sporting clay coming up in North Carolina, uh, you know, other stuff, but I recommend going to the events page because there's a lot going on. If you want to get involved, you know, we can help support that, you know, anybody that wants to get involved and Hey, I just want to raise money for Green Beret Foundation, pick something you love to do or what you're fun at. Even if it's just, you know, going to the bar, we want to get people together and support for a good cause you know, will help support anybody in that endeavor. So, uh, Brent, uh, we really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, actually, you can stay here with us real quick. Uh, we, we're going to stop talking about us and the foundation. And I'm just going to cover uh, one, of the, <laughs> one of the current events, Brent, that you're going to find interesting here. Check it out, guys. I was uh, reading uh, an article in the newspaper, and, and it's, this, this is what it says, and you guys are going to laugh, okay? Three police officers, and now... This happened in Spain, off the coast of Spain, right? Three police officers were rescued by suspected drug traffickers. They were chasing at sea off the coast of Spain, right? So, so this is literally what happened. They're chasing these drug traffickers. Uh, the, the cops bump the side of the boat of the drug traffickers, and the cops fall in the water, right? So now there's a helicopter hovering over and over the speakers are telling the, the drug traffickers, hey, I need you guys to help the cops. If not, they're going to die. So these drug traffickers stop their boat and they start helping the, co the cops oh my get back <laughs> in their boat, right? So now you figure 
if, if this happens, you know, if, if I'm that cop, I'll be like, bro, you know what? Uh, you can keep going, right? No, right. no. Of course, uh, it, it states here, although the four men rescued the occupants, they were arrested for drug trafficking after 80 bundles of hatch weighing more than three tons were found in the sea. <laughs> this could be an ethical case study in every graduate program across America, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, what, like, do you save the one person or do you let three I people mean, get hit by the train car? I mean, too- do you get away or do you save the cop's life and go yeah. to jail? Yeah. So you can, what app are you using for your news sources? Uh, you I, know I what? Want, I want that app. I know I, it was not an app. I just searched for uh, a weird news. Uh, yeah, weird news. Ah, and, and it just came gotcha. up. And, and this, this just yep. happened October 5th. That was what, two days ago? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And like, what what would have you done, Nate? What, if you were the drug trafficker, what oh, I want to get done? caught in the first place. But <laughs> <laughs> with that said, um, I probably would have pulled them on, bound them, gagged them, thrown them off off the boat, the first port, and then carried on delivering my hash. And now, how about if you were the cop? I'd be like, huh, I need to take something back with me. So I'm going to take a couple pounds of your hash to say I at least grab that. You guys head that direction, and I'm going to get you next time. Yeah, I think that's a good one. What do you think, Brent? I, I'm not just trying to be agreeable, but I actually would do that. Somebody saves my life, it's very likely they're, I owe them one. So uh, I would not have arrested them. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't either. I mean, because at that point, you know, they're not. Okay, so at that point, they're, they're in the, they're just businessmen at that point. They're not. They're not really criminals. They're just businessmen. They're trying. They're trying to move their merchandise. Yeah, at their they don't core, want anybody to get killed. Yeah, at their core, <laughs> they're not killers. They're yeah. They're making very poor decisions, but at their core, they're not murderers or yeah, correct people that die. So that's a, and, that's uh, a good ethical question, though. Ah, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. But anyways, the other thing that I found, uh, just I think it was last week. It was the last day of the army, uh. The old ACU is now is now phased out, right, Brent? Correct. So, okay, I got a question for you, Nate. How many times have you seen the Canadian uniform change? Because it seems like the army changed that stuff every year. Like every time you submit your taxes, you're buying new uniforms. Okay, so when you guys got your ACU, uh, let's let's do some history here, so this answers your question quantifiably. So when Canada developed the CADPAT, we sent some down to you guys because we're, we're generous. And then your ACU was developed from that. Somebody can tell me I'm wrong. Go ahead. I got in in uh, 97, 98. We had the olive drab. I wore the olive drab from 97, 98 to 2001. Um, I got to be part of the trial. So the 3rd Battalion PPCLI, we... Charlie Company, we were the ones that trialed in Alberta the uh, CADPAT. So from 2001 to 2012 when I got out was CADPAT. Right now, uh, this year, there's some new camouflage being implemented in Canada. So that's 18 years of the same camouflage? Well, no, apparently the the, the U.S. Army uh, don't like 
uh, spending a lot of time with camouflage. I, I guess they they feel they feel if they spend too many times with too much time with the same camouflage, the enemy is gonna figure it out. So they you know we keep confusing the enemy. That's what we do, bro. Well, dude, we we confuse the enemy the best because when Canada first deployed to Afghanistan, we were wearing green CAD pat. Okay. No, I re- I remember. <laughs> Yeah, and and the 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 best cartoon I've ever seen was a picture of some Canadians in the desert with a pine tree hiding behind it, and and the characters of the Taliban going, "Where did they go?" In their hands in the air, like, huh? <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, it, it it's it's good to adapt to your environment, and I kind of think that your camouflage should be you know, reflective of where you're working and indicative of that, obviously. And that's the great thing about Atex camo is they have a wide variety of adaptable stuff. And when we talk about uniforms, like your work dress uniform, your day-to-day stuff, that should probably be the same. So everybody knows who's who in the zoo on base. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's not happening. No. Oh, and on that note, JP said, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But anyways, this new stuff look like, uh, uh, Man, I I totally lost track of of what uniforms are now used. Every time I look, there's something different. So I like I don't even worry about it because I don't have to wear it. So I don't care. <laughs> That's the best way to look at it at our stage in life. Yeah, no, I just feel bad for the guys that gotta keep changing stuff because it's not like they're gonna give you a new uniform. They're like, well, you get a you you get your your clothing allowance that should cover it. No, it won't cover it. It's not enough. But oh, that's right. So okay, I understand now. Yeah, yeah, you don't cover it. But let me know get started with that one because then I'll go off. Uh, so that's another show. Yeah, that's another show. Anyways, hey, uh, Brent, we were we really appreciate you being on the sh- in the show with us, and thank you for putting up with our with our long extended conversations. But you were really entertaining and gave us a lot of great information, uh, not to us but also to the listeners. We really appreciate uh, you being here and bearing with us during this process. Absolutely, man. It's been my pleasure. I really appreciate you guys having me on, you know, being able to talk about the programs, Um, you know, real quick, if you guys, one minute, you know, I just got back from South Carolina Hyperbaric Oxygen Therapy Symposium. And if anyone doesn't doesn't know what that is, Hyperbaric Oxygen Therapy, HBOT, you know, it, it was originally designed for decompression sickness for divers, right? And now it's been known going through this therapy to help guys with TBI and TBI and PTS. So going through a couple days of this, man, and this is something Green Beret Foundation covers, right? Right now the VA is not really recognizing this because it's an alternative therapy and it can get very expensive, um, upwards, you know, close to $10,000 for guys to get this treatment. But the VA is not covering it. And so right now we're making a very concerted effort, you know, guys that need this help to find this therapy and take care of it. And that kind of falls under our extended support. You know, other things such as in vitro fertilization, you know, we'll get guys specialized wheelchairs, prosthetics, you know, compression system for injuries, exos therapy, which you guys have probably heard about. Exos therapy, it's intense rehab, you know get green berets back on the team uh but we have it's just a multitude of things that we help and support and that's why it's like i don't want to just keep giving a laundry list and that's just touching that's just like tip of the spear of things that we help with 
Um, but no, that is that is amazing information that 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 people need to know. So I really appreciate yeah. you bringing and it up. Pretty much, I just talked to a guy the other day, and same question all the time. Well, what does Green Beret Foundation do? And, and it's a lot of times like, what do we not do? Um, I just said, you know, everything's customizable. So you just tell me where you need help, and I'll do my best to make sure that that happens. You know, and that's really what it is because we are really filling in the gaps. And most things we support falls under one of our one of our pillars, our programs. Um, so we'll be able to get the Green Beret or their family the help that they need. But yeah, I, I that's just amazing. Throw that in there. That's a very important uh, program that we have, our extended support program. We put a lot of resources into that, and we've helped a lot of Green Berets and their families with that. But appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's been it's been a pleasure. It's been fun. All right. Well, I really appreciate it. Nate, you got anything else? Uh, no, that's everything. Again, Brent, for joining us. Uh, your host has been Mike, who uh, is doing some rear security for us right now. And, of course, JP. <laughs> and I have the third voice in your ear, Nate. Thanks for joining us on the show. JP, take us out, brother. Hey, we want to uh, thank our uh, foundations, partners, and supporters. And I'm going to stop here, Nate, because that's going to be recorded, right? Yes. Okay. And Okay, so I'm going to say that again. Uh, so we want to thank our foundations, partners, and supporters. And remember to follow us at, at V vtsr01 on um instagram uh jp cervantes 180a nate is jester's tactical and mike is sulu underscore ops underscore tactical underscore solutions and of course <laughs> yeah he he gets weird with his and uh and of course go ahead and follow green beret foundation uh they're on instagram twitter and also on uh on facebook and follow their page, the uh, GreenBerryFoundation.org. All right. We really appreciate you guys listening to us until the next episode. And remember, don't cash out. Main sponsors, NOS Defiance Group, LLC, for all your training, consulting, and special operations solutions needs for military, law enforcement, and private clients. Uptown Autoglass, for all your glass needs located in Columbus, Georgia. ATAX Camo, you won't even see them coming. Disclaimer, the contents of this podcast do not constitute medical or professional advice and do not reflect the opinions of the affiliates, promotional sponsors or partners or advertising agencies and only reflects the opinions of the members and guests. This podcast contains explicit content and offends everyone equally. VTSR expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on any or all contents of this podcast. We disclaim any responsibility. Listen at your own risk.